At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's your New Year's resolution? Maybe it's to finally get in shape, learn a new language, an instrument. Here's one for you. How about a new car? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Back again, this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I don't sound any better. I still sound like death feel like death too and i'm sure a lot of Ole Miss fans feel like death after national signing day on wednesday we'll get to it colin brister joining me in just a second if you haven't already subscribed rate review talk of champions in itunes also available in soundcloud spotify just simply search talk of champions i'm right for the Ole Miss spirit omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 sports colin yesterday was ugly yeah not great not great like you know a lot of people are doing the uh, oh it was a transition class and it was it's survivable but like Let's not neglect it either. It was not good. It was not good. No, and I get why people are so disappointed and why they were so upset on Wednesday. I'll never for the life of me understand the whole shoot the messenger deal. Who do y'all think our sources are? Football, basketball. And yes, there is some volatility when your second, third sources are the prospects themselves, their family, and trying to figure out what's going on in the mind of an 18-year-old. But for the most part, The sourcing comes from those directly involved with the recruitment. I mean, there's a reason why everyone expected Malachi Weidman to eventually end up as an Ole Miss Rebel, and he didn't. He ended up as a Tennessee volunteer. But I think one thing that stuck out to me yesterday of why people were so upset, Colin, 
is because since 2013, every year you've seen really almost not close particularly strong. Yesterday was probably the worst close since Ed Orgeron's 2007 class. Then I think they went one for 10 on National Signing Day. Remember, 80% of prospects sign in the early signing period now. The February signing period, it's really there just for leftovers, for scraps. But that was a bad close yesterday. And I think what people are so upset about since 2013, the closes haven't been particularly strong. And a lot of the inaccuracy that has come with trying to predict where kids are going to end up. People want to see um, recruiting analysts or guys who cover recruiting. Thank God I'm not one of those guys anymore. But they want to hear, (laughs) want you to predict and put out there, what's your percentage on so-and-so? But then the flip side of that coin is, if you're wrong, they blame you. But they're upset because ever since 2013, not particularly strong closes, and you dealt with the NCAA stuff. In 2016, up until 2019, the NCAA stuff hung over the head of every single recruiting effort of Ole Miss football. And you see all these other schools like Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee, whoever, closing so particularly strong while Ole Miss strikes out on National Signing Day last minute, making a push, blah, 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 blah. We all know that the NCAA has created this black market. I'm going to call it the fairness market because the black market carries a negative connotation. The NCAA, because of its suppressing of the labor force, has created this fairness market for where kids can go out there and get whatever they can. So you got schools out there handing out money to kids. And people will try to roll their eyes and say, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Michigan fans especially, they love to do that. They love to say, oh, no, 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 Michigan, we don't do that. Every school does that. Every school that really recruits well does that. And it's not like it's this mystical dude standing there in an empty parking lot with a fedora and a black suit carrying a (laughs) briefcase full of cash and Leo Lewis is on the other end. It's really not that huge a number as far as sums of money that schools are handing out to these kids, but certainly enough for kids to consider a school and they need it. And then you got the Steve Robertsons of the world now playing holier than now saying stuff like, well, look at Ole Miss now because it can't cheat. It can't land recruits. Steve, Mississippi state this season was caught fixing ACT scores. State does it too. Leo Lewis was paid by Mississippi state admitted it in a recording with NCAA investigators. I don't care about any of that. State can pay kids too. It doesn't matter. The fairness market was created by the NCAA because the NCAA is damned if they're going to pay kids any type of compensation outside of the scholarships that they're given. It's neither here nor there, but Ole Miss fans are fed up because they look at it and they say, wait, wait, wait. Tennessee's doing this. Alabama's doing this. Georgia's doing this. When Ole Miss did it, it got hammered. The modern day death penalty. This is bullshit. And I can understand that frustration. I'm with you there. You know, you mentioned some things that I kind of think people would be interested in. You know, how do you know, if we talk about these kids and, you know, you call it the fairness market. How do the, the people that are instrumentally like getting them the money have assurances that they're going to pick the school or that? I mean, does it is it done before or after the kids signed the LOI? Because I feel like there's some point somebody's got to trust somebody with that. Right. Well, you're not guaranteed anything, but most every school out there. You're not going to get this fairness money until after you sign. Yes, of right. course, you're going to get this amount and a signing bonus, but you don't get the rest of it until you sign. And I could point to a number of different players that went to other schools as to what they were given, and they deserve those things. And these are amounts of money. In any other walk of life, you would go, oh, yeah. If I was given that from 
Colin Brister, my neighbor down the street, for doing some yard work. That's fair. But because it's college football players, these fake, morally outraged fans want to pretend like they're breaking the law. This is not breaking the law. The only thing that would be breaking the law is if it's like non-taxable income. But that's neither here nor there. We've all done skated around those kind of rules before. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't breaking the law. If Colin Brister did some yard work and I gave him $1,000 for doing it, no one says anything. Right. But if Joe Schmo, who's a runner for who gives a crap university, gives this kid a thousand dollars. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. I cannot abide. And for Steve yeah. Robertson to say anything on Wednesday, he can't shut up about Ole Miss and his recruiting efforts. It's tired at this point, but that's his whole shtick. That's the only thing that makes Steve Robertson relevant is to talk about Ole Miss and its NCAA investigative case that has been over for almost a year. It's what got him in ESPN stories. It's what got him talking on the radio. I don't know if he was on Fine Balm or not. I can't remember. But whoever, whoever was out there would cite Steve Robertson, and it gave him the most raging Mississippi State hard-on that could have ever existed. He can't get enough of it. And so, of course, on Wednesday, now looking at the fact that Mississippi State did not close well, and Lane Kiffin signed, I think, seven players that Matt Luke wasn't in on, including DeMond Clowney, which is a complete um, failure by the previous staff because Wayne University yeah. was on staff up there. Here's the thing, too. Like, there's still kids out there, right? Um, there's two kids that haven't signed LOIs anywhere that, that Ole Miss is in on. And, look, I'm not, am I saying they're getting them? No. I mean, after today, I don't know how you have confidence in anything. But uh, Zach Evans and, and Britt, uh, the kid from Florida, I'm blanking on his first name, are, are still out there and are still being targeted by Ole Miss. Yeah, the Britt kid, the safety, who's going to announce February 20th at 8 p.m. for some reason. Um, <laughs> Leonard Manuel wants to be a Florida Gator. If he can get into Florida, he'll be a Florida Gator. Um, Ole Miss, his whole selling point is if you commit and sign with Florida and they don't get you in, you're going to have to go to JUCO for a year. We can get you in no matter what. I think they're going to get Zach Evans, but I've talked enough about Zach Evans. <laughs> we talked all Tuesday about Zach Evans. But the whole point about this recruiting frustration is I get it. I understand you're frustrated. Yeah. But Ole Miss does not have the recruiting infrastructure right now that other big-time programs have. Ole Miss fans have an incredible expectation because they were spoiled by the success of Hugh Freeze in recruiting nationally and Ed Orgeron to an extent, when the reality is Ole Miss just won four games, its recruiting infrastructure was completely obliterated by the NCAA. It is scattered about. If you're worried about, oh, what about the network? Well, the network is spread. I know that for a fact. It is spread about. And there are a number that aren't committed right now to ever doing anything for Ole Miss football recruiting again. You're going to have to rebuild that infrastructure. State's got a really good infrastructure. We can get into that if Steve wants to talk about it. I'm sure he wants to <laughs> stick his fingers in his ear. He knows. Steve knows. He absolutely knows. He knows the exact same people well, I know. And Jeffrey Simmons did not get paid to go to start. We know this. Oh, of course not. And Leo only got paid by Ole Miss. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Ole Miss doesn't have the infrastructure in place was obliterated by the NCAA. Lane Kiffin's been on the job for less than two months. Um, he lost out to relationships, sure, but, I mean, it was more than that. Jeremy Pruitt's running a heck of a machine right now and recruiting at Tennessee. He's doing a good job. He really is. Uh -huh. He's taking that Alabama recruiting machine and built a smaller version of that in Knoxville. Good for him. Good for Tennessee. Yeah. Maybe they'll actually start to contend in the SEC East. Do what you got to do. I wish that every single school, and Vanderbilt's never going to do this, but I wish that every single school in the SEC tried 
tried to win national championships by building the recruiting infrastructure in place. That way, you're basically telling the SEC, you're telling the NCAA, you're going to come at me who's not a true blue blood. I'm Mississippi State. I'm Kentucky. I'm whoever. You're going to come at us because we're not a true blue blood. I'm going to turn the microscope on everybody. If you're going to get me, you're going to get Alabama and Georgia and LSU. And then the NCAA is not going to do anything. Yeah. The reason why Ole Miss was hit so hard, first and foremost, is because Ole Miss is supposed to be Ole Miss. Same thing with Mississippi State. Mississippi State is supposed to be Mississippi State. But see, they found a willing participant in Mississippi State that would much prefer a murder-suicide than for both of these programs to flourish. And now look at where these programs are. (laughs) Now, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, they bring about excitement. But it was only five years ago that these teams were nationally relevant and competing in the top ten. And now they're just playing for scraps again. The NCAA used a willing participant to get Ole Miss, but it also, in turn, wrecked Mississippi State. There was a time when recruiting infrastructure in this state had never been better. And that was back in 2014, whatever. Both of these schools were really recruiting. And you might say, oh, Mississippi State wasn't doing national recruiting, but their infrastructure in-state was insane. And now yeah. it's different. It's different, and it stinks. I wish yeah. every school in all of college football would just accept the fact that these kids are going to get money on the fairness market. You've created it. So you might as well just legalize it. And, of course, there are going to be programs – that take advantage of any loophole that might be out there, but just take advantage of it. Who cares? So wait, we we could we could put a salary cap on uh, NCAA football teams. That would be kind of be fun, right? Yeah, it'd be fun. It's never going to happen. I'm just talking into this mic empty right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. But I understand why fans get upset and why they are upset. In 2013, back when I did cover recruiting, Yancey and I put out our predictions for National Signing Day. Can't remember if it was seven or nine prospects that were potential targets that Ole Miss could land on National Signing Day. Don't remember. But I remember I put in my predictions and I went seven for seven or nine for nine. And you might go, wait, what? Yeah, you can ask any number of people. I went seven for seven or nine for nine, whatever the number was. And it was because the sourcing was so good and it hasn't changed. It's the exact same kind of sourcing. (laughs) That hasn't changed. What's changed is the infrastructure. So if you want your recruiting information to be dead on accurate, you need to go ahead and stop paying attention. But also, don't shoot the messengers. Don't shoot David and Yancey and my buddy Zach and Neil. Don't do that. They're doing the very best job they can with very unreliable sourcing around these prospects. Where do you think they get their sourcing from? Who do you think their sources are? Their secondary and third sources, third-hand sources, who do you think they are? There's no going out and getting better sources. Not for college football recruiting. If you're an Ole Miss fan and you want to put blame somewhere, put it on the lack of recruiting infrastructure around these prospects to where the information that Ole Miss is getting can be relied upon once nut-cutting time arrives. Any kid that signs worth the crap in college football is getting something, and they (laughs) should. So stop stigmatizing it. If you want to put blame on something, put on the lack of recruiting infrastructure. It's not there. Yeah, no, I never thought about it like that. With uh, you, you talked about how they couldn't finish and, and it didn't finish well on, on signing day, and the recruiting infrastructure not being what it needs to be, and and that kind of makes sense now that you you talk about uh, it not being what it was in 2014 and 2015, and and what it is comparatively now, and and how are you know you know information isn't exactly reliable compared to back what it was in 2013. That makes a lot of sense when you put it like that. And I don't envy 
David and Yancey and Zach and Neil and dealing with that every single day. I don't. I was there. I'm, I, it's a joke, and it's funny when I say that Cam Akers retired me, but I swear to God it's true. After that one, I said, man, if I can't predict that kid, I'm done. It certainly helped that David joined us at the Ole Miss Spirit, and I didn't have to cover it anymore. But that one really, even if they called me and said, Ben, we need your help, I'm good. No, 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 no. no. I'll call a kid and do an interview just to, you know, a commitment maybe. I'll do that. But outside of that, you make me predict stuff? No, no, no. Well, Buff, it's a kid from New Albany, though. You'd probably be a pretty good source there, right? Uh, No, no, still wouldn't do it, no. That'd be worse. <laughs> this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmaSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. About to go to the Modern Women phone line to speak to all-time Ole Miss baseball great Stephen Head. Before we do, let's hear from Modern Woman in BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line, all-time Ole Miss baseball great Stephen Head. Stephen's now a scout for the Dodgers for a while there. He was the best player on Ole Miss baseball, and then he was an assistant coach. Steven, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing good, Ben. How are you? I'm good, man. So tell me about this gig with the Dodgers. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when I was a volunteer there at Ole Miss, basically the way this started out was uh, my wife was still living in southern Illinois, and I was obviously there in Oxford. Um, So uh, a former, or not a former scout, a current scout with the Colorado Rockies called me and said, hey, the Dodgers have a gig, and I think Illinois is in one of those states. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, that's where my wife was living. It's where I live now, was the state of Illinois. So, yeah, I have some interest. And uh, so that's kind of how the ball got rolling on it and, uh, frankly, just fell in love with the the scouting gig. Um, Obviously a great organization, a storied organization, but getting paid to watch baseball games all the time is not the worst gig. So I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. 
That sounds like the dream, actually. I mean, here's the thing with the Dodgers now. They're an <laughs> analytical team. So are their sheets, their scouting sheets, a little bit different than maybe other scouting sheets when you go out there? You're looking, um, I don't know, at UZR or, or checking out their OBP or their hard hit rate. What are you looking for when you're looking for prospects? You know, I, we do. We use a lot of that stuff. Um, but the, the great thing about our organization is they let us scout and form our own opinions. And then we just kind of like figure it out from both the analytical and what the eyes are seeing. And a lot of the times it matches up. You, you kind of mentioned like the on-base percentage. Well, if you see a guy get on base all the time, guess what? He's probably got a good on-base percentage. Or, you know, this guy has a great exit velocity. He's kind of one of those new terms. But, you know, you go watch him and he hits three line drives and he smokes it. Guess what? That guy hits the ball hard. Um, so we kind of use it as a blend. Uh, but they let us go out. They want us to form our own opinions. They want us to figure out these players, how they play, and then we'll just kind of back up all the other stuff with maybe the analytical side of things. Well, you're a two-way player. You're a decorated pitcher and you're a decorated hitter. So for you, you can see both, right? I mean, what are you looking for in a pitcher and a hitter? Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty similar on both sides. Um, You're just looking for the just natural baseball talent, uh, maybe some of the instincts, and then obviously the tools. I mean, guys on the offensive side that can run, throw, have power, defend, uh, you know, on the pitching side, guys that have the velocity, the breaking balls and different things like that. And then you kind of just work from there, you know, with a pitcher. Well, how's the arm action and delivery? Do we think he's a starter? Do we think he's a reliever? Um, you know, as a hitter, um, is he a little more defense oriented than offense or offense and defense? So there's a lot of layers to work through. Um, but I think, you know, most general baseball fans uh, have seen enough that they can probably figure it out. Uh, we just have to try to make the right decisions in the end. Uh, you know, which is hard because trying to predict these players' futures is not easy. Um, you know, that's why there's all-stars and Hall of Famers that are drafted in the 10th round and first-rounders that don't make it to the big league. So it's not easy to do, but, uh, you know, it's fun to try to figure out for sure. You already knew baseball. You already knew what a good baseball player looks like. But how much did it help to be on staff with Mike and uh, to be a part of that coaching process? Because it's different to be a player on that end of it and then to be a coach and evaluate and try to get guys better and develop them. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're doing a couple different things. Um, but I think the goal in the end is the same is, you know, coach Lafferty, coach Bianco, uh, coach Clement, they're going out and they're looking for a kid that maybe fits what they think they can develop or maybe his skill set or his tools. We're doing the same thing because essentially we're just passing these guys off to coaches. Um, so, you know, the, the try to get the right player, somebody you think that you can develop the type of athlete. I think that's pretty, pretty much commonplace throughout like recruiting for us. Um, the one thing, you know, with working for Mike and, and it being at Ole Miss and probably most sec schools is just the work ethic, like how much you have to work, uh, as a college baseball coach in a power five conference. And we're there at the office every day or, or we're, you know, well before eight and we leave, you know, well after five, uh, you know, and it's, it's seven days a week for dang near 365 days a year. So I think you just get a, you just get a natural work ethic, um, you know, especially working for Mike there uh, that, that really carries over not only to baseball, but really just anything. I've talked about this a lot. It's a job to me now. I cover Ole Miss. It's a little bit different. We can say that. But I was born and raised an Ole Miss fan. Back then, when I was growing up, Ole Miss baseball wasn't very good. And then in 2003, my junior year of high school, I'm eating breakfast one day before school, and I look in the paper, and there's this huge picture of Stephen Head. And they're talking about Ole Miss baseball and how it's <laughs> going to be different and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden, I'm interested in Ole Miss baseball, and that's when things took off. Three straight NCAA regionals. Um, the 2004 NCAA regional was the first, 
and then advanced um, to the NCAA Super Regionals in 2005. So when you look back at Ole Miss baseball, you look at it now. I know it's five, of course, for developing the program, building the program, but it started with you. Do you have that sense of pride when you look at the Ole Miss baseball program? Yeah, for sure. But I don't think it's it's on me, and I, I don't look at it as like I did this. You know, I, I look back to that class, and you know, Mark Wright, Mark Holloman, uh, you know, Bray Wright there for for a little bit, uh, Brian Petway, and I just remember, you know, we had played with or against each other in high school, and I think there was just kind of like this uh, common idea. It was like, man, this guy at Ole Miss, this new head coach, like super energetic. I mean, he's talking about a program that really hasn't been that great. They've had their moments, but, you know, over the course of, of time has been just okay. Uh, he's talking about going to Omaha, winning national championships. And I think it just kind of like energized a lot of us, uh, you know, from the Memphis area, the, the state of Mississippi to maybe like, Hey, let's, let's go see if this is legit, you know, and uh, a really good class, good players. Um, but I think we just all came in with that, like, this is going somewhere. So I want to be a part of it. You know, I don't look at it as like, I did it or Petway did it or Holloman did it. I think it was just kind of a collection of excitement from pretty good players, you know, that uh, all came in at the same time and just kind of got that thing rolling. I, you know what? I mean, if we don't show up, I still think Mike's successful. You know, I don't think it, <laughs> that Mike doesn't have the success he has without us. He'd have probably just got some other guys and they'd have been really good, but it is fun to kind of have been on the front end of what's been a really, really good run of success. That's really humble of you, Stephen, but come on, man. You're the player of the year in 2004 in the SEC. I mean, you're the guy. You can at least take like a little always, bit of ownership for it. So so, so nobody gives me more more grief than Lafferty about, you know, not being a good player. And, uh, you know, he's mostly joking, but I do always laugh. I'm like, you know, I was, I was really good because I was like two guys in one. You know, if I was just like the pitcher or just the hitter, I mean, I would have been good, but I wouldn't have been like – what what I ended up being. So, you know, I can't like just be like, oh, I was this unbelievable guy. No, I was pretty good because I could do two things, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, if Mike needed you to come in and shut down an inning, okay. If he needed you to go in there and just hit a home run, okay. You did whatever he needed you to do. What was five like then <laughs> That's right. compared to what he is now? He's always been fiery, but he seems like he's been pretty consistent over 20 years. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely fiery when we were there. I mean, he, he, he worked us pretty good and – uh and maybe I just got used to it, especially coming back as the coach. But, uh, I mean, he's still hard. You know, he's he. it's not hard to play for uh, or even work for. Um, but he just demands the details from me. And I think that's why, you know, the, the run of success has been so good over so long is this. it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, he's going to try everything in his power to get the best out of you. And, you know, if you don't, it's that's your fault. It's not the coach's fault. Um, because he gives you the tools for success. They push you to have success. Um, and at some point, you just kind of have to, as a player, step back and take ownership in some things. And I think he's really good at getting guys to realize that. And, you know, a lot of these guys meet their potential and beyond. Left-handed pitcher, first baseman, several um, accolades in your career, multiple All-American selections, 2003 SEC Freshman of the Year, National Freshman of the Year, played for Team USA, Player of the Year in 2004. But for you, when you look back on it, what's your favorite memory? What's the number one thing? If somebody said, I want to know what Stephen Head was like when he played for Ole Miss, what's the first moment you go back to? Oh, man. First moment? Probably my very first game. Uh, I think we played a doubleheader. Um, I got to, to save the first game, and then I hit a home run on the first pitch that I ever saw uh, in college. Um, so probably my first day. Cause you know, 
I laugh about this. Like I, I was the closer and, and closed a lot of close games and, you know, everybody's like, man, you just were never scared. I was scared to death. You know, I remember when I was starting, I'd be like the sixth inning and we'd have a lead and I'd be like, all right, who's going to come close this thing for me? You know, so I can get this win. Like I'm, I'm surely I'm going to blow this soon. You know, there's just no way that they haven't scored more runs than us at this point or, or vice versa. So, um, yeah, the, the, my very first game is probably like the thing I remember the most just because you don't know what to expect, you know, and, and to go up and hit a home run on the first pitch you see. And I was, it could have been a curveball. I was swung and miss. Like I was swinging, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to swing at the first pitch. Surely this guy, surely this guy is going to throw a freshman who never played a fastball. And <laughs> thankfully he did. <laughs> well, you're from Jackson, but you had options. So when you were picking Ole Miss, when you're going through that process, who all came after you, and what made Ole Miss the place you wanted to go to? You talked about just wanting to um, jump in with Mike Bianco. This was something new. Y'all wanted to go try it out. What were the other things that allowed you to pick Ole Miss over whoever else came after you? Well, you know, the one thing, I went to a camp there, uh, I guess maybe as a junior, and I had gone to Mississippi State camps, you know, basically my whole life uh, as a kid. And I remember just going to Ole Miss the first time and – seeing the field, but seeing the campus and it was during the fall. So the trees were all, and I, the trees were all orange and red and the square. I was like, this is awesome. You know, this is just a really cool place. Um, so I kind of fell in love with it then, but, uh, what I, I think I've told this story to some people before, but Brian Petway, uh, was also being recruited by just about everybody in the South, uh, come play for him. And me and Brian were really good friends. We played together in the summers quite a bit. And, uh, so I basically just told Petway, I'm like, Hey dude, like, just let me know where you're committing. Like if you're going to Ole Miss, I'm, I'm in like, if you know, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, I, let's go play together. And he was like, I, I think I'm going to go to Ole Miss. I'm like, all right, me too. And we committed on the same day, uh, in the fall, uh, in the stands at the Ole Miss with coach Bianco. I think we were just like one right after the other. I think Petway went up there and said, Hey, you know what coach I'm coming. I went right behind him and was like, coach, I'm going to come too. So. Kind of chose it. I, I fell in love with the school, but I was like, hi, right, Petway, if you're in, I'm in. Let's do this. We'll get right back to all-time Ole Miss baseball great Stephen Head on the modern Woodman phone line after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year always brings about change. For you or someone close to you, that change could be finally finding the dream home. Enter the Lamar. Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year has arrived. 2020 is here, and it's time to assess whether you're using the pharmacy that best fits your needs. For you, the Ole Miss fan, the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. So if you don't go to Ole Miss, you go to Mississippi State? Probably South Carolina. Oh, 
because my my family is from from there. My mom's side of her family is from Spartanburg, and she actually went to South Carolina. We've had some other family members go to South Carolina, so we have ties there. And uh, and they were recruiting me pretty hard. And obviously, I like Coach Tanner a lot. And you know, we had the the family ties there as well. So it wasn't you know out of left field that it was a school in South Carolina. I can't believe it's been 15 years, but it's been 15 years. How often are you still asked about the 2005 Super Regional? Well, Lafferty never lets me forget it. Oh, so, of course, no. Um, I mean, that's his outside. job. That's his job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, not a ton. I mean, a little bit when I was there. Um, I mean, obviously, stinks, you know. Wish we would have won. We think we were the better team. We thought we were the best team in the country. So, hard pill to swallow, you know, because then you know it's over, too, especially as the juniors and all of us that we pretty sure we were going to go in the draft, you know, it was a, wasn't the way we wanted to end it because when we, when we committed there, like I said, you know, this was about winning national championships and going to Omaha and being kind of the first team to do it. And, you know, we fell short. We, we set some records by, or some, you know, some milestones by hosting and then the super regional and hosting. But, you know, that was never our goal. Our goal was to, to go to Omaha to win the national championship. So falling short of that, was a pretty hard pill to swallow. I had Cogs on not too long ago, and I said this to him. I'm going to say it to the day I die, probably. The national championship was won in Oxford, Mississippi in 2005. Well, there's no question. I mean, uh, I had some buddies on the Florida team, and, you know, I still talk to them. I'm like, you know, you guys got run by Texas, and but we, we beat them like five out of six times that year because uh, we played them uh, two or three times in the tournament as well, uh, as well as just beating the – crap out of them in Oxford early in the SEC. I mean, they weren't even close to a match for us. Uh, and they, you know, they ended up running the table to get to Texas. So yeah, it was no doubt the two best teams were in the super regional. Cause I'll never forget. I'm in right field watching and you were up for the last at bat against Texas. The hope that was in that stadium, knowing that Steven was going to come through. And then when it was over, man, it was like everybody quietly just exited and left because Everyone knew that was a national championship team. Because if you looked across the diamond, the MLB talent alone on that team was insane. Yeah, uh, that's a, a really good point. I mean, I don't remember. It's funny how they say, like, you remember this, the things. Um, I remember, obviously, striking out on chasing a slider from a guy who was a major league pitcher. He just had some arm trouble. He might have even gotten into the MLB, Jay Brent Cox. But um, I, I might – I remember saying, and I didn't remember this, but I was in a 2-0 count and that the uh, umpire called a ball way off the plate, and they had it on video. Oh, shocking, kind of the shocking college baseball college. strikes and balls were Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of – if you just get it close, 2-0 or 3-0, like they're just going to give you the uh, – <laughs> uh, you know, so the guy behind me still would have had to get a hit. Um, and obviously I wanted to, to try to hit a home run to tie the game there uh, and, and extend it, but uh, it is what it is, you know. But – yeah, the talent on that team, um, and not even just draft picks. You know, not everybody makes the major leagues, but just the, just the talent. I think we had like seven guys drafted in the first seven rounds that year. Obviously, you got Coglin, uh, Cozart, which is another reason I was a really good pitcher. Like, I, I go back and I think about this, and like every infielder that was standing behind me, because I couldn't strike anybody out, I didn't throw very hard. They're all major leaguers. No wonder I was pretty good. You know, <laughs> they're turning double play. I got Cozart, Coglin, Matt Tolbert. Yeah, no wonder I was a good pitcher. Those dudes are catching ground balls that most college guys don't catch. So uh, it's no shock that I had some success on the mound. 
So what was the experience like with the Indians? They draft you in the second round. What did they want you to be? Did they want you to pitch? Did they want you to do a two-way deal? What was the idea or the development plan for you from the Indians? No, it was uh, strictly a hitter. Um, never any talk about the pitching. And I had told guys I wanted to be a, a hitter, not a pitcher, uh, you know, as far as the draft was concerned, um, which is, you know, nobody would do the two-way thing back then. It was too much exertion on your body. Um, you couldn't do both, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and now what is so funny, like there's guys in the major leagues doing both. And we, we actually talk about guys that can do both in the draft room. Uh, so the value, and it's just, it's just the old school mentality. It's kind of how data has just changed the game from, uh, you know, the way we play the scouting standpoint, just the old school, small minded mentality. Uh, it's just crazy. Like you can only have 25 guys on a roster in the major leagues. Um, uh, you're either always a pitcher short or you're always a hitter short. It seems like during those dog days, why wouldn't it make sense to have some guys that could do both? Uh, so now it's like back in style and it's this crazy valuable asset to have a guy that can do two things. Um, but back then it was, well, it's just too much workload and we don't want you to get hurt, you know? Um, so it's funny how that's changed in today's game. Uh, these guys that are legitimate two-way players, like Brendan McKay out of Louisville, uh, the most recent, uh, the kid from Southern Miss last year, Matt Walner, I believe is his name, uh, you know, big time arm with velocity on the mound and a left-handed hitter with huge raw power that can hit some home runs. That guy's pretty valuable if he can maybe pitch in the eighth inning and hit five hole for you, you know. Uh, so those guys, the two-way guys are getting a lot more play and they're kind of in vogue now. Yeah, especially but not so much when I was drafted. Yeah, when Major League Baseball goes to a universal DH, and it's going to happen at some point, I would figure that's going to completely change scouting, drafting, and development too because two-way players will get a chance to do both. Yeah, I mean, it's not everybody that did both in Little League you're going to get to do it yeah. in pro ball. you gotta have, <laughs> you got to have some true talent, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, it just wasn't talked about back then. But now the industry in general, college, everybody's so much better at developing players and just the health and the fitness, the workouts. Um, I mean, you know, we were like bench pressing. And, and what like bench pressing has nothing to do with baseball. These guys are like doing explosive movements and strength training and we can just train the athlete so much better from a, you know, neutral line standpoint in both college and professional ball that these guys have the ability and kind of, I guess the, the workload ability to be a pitcher and a hitter. You know, we just, the athletes are so much better nowadays than they used to be. So what's the advice for Greg Kessinger, Thomas Stiller, those guys that were just drafted, the ones that might be drafted coming up in June, as far as how they need to approach minor league baseball, because Cox said, his number one advice, you're a one-man business. Look out for yourself. What would your advice be? Yeah, it really is. Um, it's funny how quickly the college game turns over to when you go to the pro side uh, because it is competing. You are rooting for the 35th man on the roster uh, on your team in college. You know, When you get the pro ball and you go out and you guys get, you know, you get beat 15 to 3, but you were 4 for 4 with two doubles, you're sitting in your locker and you're like trying to pretend to be upset that you lost, but you're actually feeling pretty dang good. Cause you went four for four and you know that that's really all that matters is how well you play. Um, so yeah, there's, there's an adjustment level from the, from that side of things where it becomes an individual game. You got to understand that it's a business and you have to go perform or they're not going to let you play anymore. Um, but the biggest thing that comes to my mind is just, and I, I tell guys this when, when I sit down with them, 
is enjoying just playing baseball. Like if you just enjoy playing baseball, you're going to love pro ball because that's all you do. Um, so if you just don't lose the joy for playing, you know, I think everything else kind of falls in line, uh, your work ethic, your, uh, you know, your mindset as far as staying pretty positive, cause you're, it's a hard game. And, you know, in the July, August, when it's 110 degrees and you're in the middle of your minor league season, it can get pretty tough. So uh, keeping the enjoyment of the game is kind of a big thing for me because that, that's going to keep you going to the park energized every day, and that's going to carry over into the games. But we got to pay minor league players more, don't we? It's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't think about it. Uh, I think maybe the media and some stuff, you know, those guys may make a little bit bigger deal out of it. But, yeah, I mean, you don't make money. Um, the guys that it really affects are the guys that don't get money out of the draft who are working, you know, substitute teaching during the winter or working in restaurants or just doing something to make ends meet because they, they sign for $5,000, which gets taxed, and then they have nothing. But you're expecting that guy to go work his tail off to get to the big leagues. Well, he can't. Um, so it, it's really an uphill battle for a lot of guys uh, just from a financial standpoint because they have to, you know, invest time doing other things so they can survive to get to the next spring training. Uh, whereas some guys are, you know, working out at these facilities are paying money to, and, and it's great. That's what they should do. Uh, but maybe these lower end guys, they don't have that ability. You know, they, they have to do something else to, to make it through the winter. So yeah, it should, they should definitely be paid a little more. Um, it, it's not a lot. So anybody listening thinks minor leaguers make money. You're crazy. <laughs> You come out in the hole probably every year as a minor league guy. Well, last one. Um, this baseball team, 2020, reminds me a lot of that 2003 team. A lot of youth, a lot of freshmen, a talented freshman class coming in, number two in the country. You're a young guy that came in and made an impact immediately. What do you say to them about going out there and producing in year one? Yeah, I, I, the biggest thing I would say to young guys is don't wait. Like, don't wait to have the mentality, well, wait until we're sophomores or juniors. Like, you're there now. You have a chance to impact now. Freshmen can be impact players. Just look at the 2003 team, and there, there's plenty more examples. Uh, Lance Lynn, Drew Palmer, guys that just stepped right in, Coglin, Cozart, and were impact players as freshmen. Um, you don't have to wait to be good. Like, the opportunities there, go take it. Because if you got the talent, like, why wait? That, that'd be my advice. So you're going to make it back to Swayze? Yes, I will be back to Swayze, uh, hopefully sometime during the spring. So, um, you know, I do cover some portion of the South uh, down there in Mississippi. So I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to Swayze uh, sooner rather than later, that's for sure. I mean, the best time to come is when the Grove Bowl is on Saturday. You can watch the Lane Kiffin team, and then you go over and watch the <laughs> baseball. There you go. That's that, that, yeah, I'll try to pencil that one in. What weekend is that? Oh, my God. Now you're putting me on the spot. I barely know my schedule five days from now, so but uh, I'll try to I'll try to earmark that one uh, and put that one down. Did you play football <laughs> in high school? I did. I was uh, pretty unsuccessful at it. Seth Smith oh, threw me a couple I don't touchdown that. passes. Yeah, that's, I don't that's about the uh, no. That's that's about the extent of my football career was catching a couple passes from Seth Smith. Oh well, there you go. Seth's coming on. I think in a week or two. So I'm going to ask him now: Was Stephen Head a good wide receiver in high school? Smitty, I wasn't his number one guy. His his best friend, which was a very good receiver. He always went to him, ticked me off. Oh, see, I mean, just well, you tell him that. I'm running all these clean routes, and he's not getting me the ball. So I've, I've been telling him I've been mad about that for 20 years. Oh, that's happening. I got you on that. He's Stephen <laughs> Head, all-time Ole Miss baseball. Great. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. <laughs> not a problem. Thank you.
That was all-time Ole Miss baseball great Stephen Head. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going to jump right back to Colin Brister at Colin Brister. But before we do, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. All right, Colin, that was all-time Ole Miss baseball great Stephen Head. My thanks to him. He's awesome. Easily one of the greatest Ole Miss baseball players ever, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, man, I tell you what, that uh, – Head, head had just a phenomenal career, one of the at least easy top three or four in Ole Miss uh, history. The way it ended is just, when you think back on it, it's so heartbreaking how it ended for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he talked about it, but the national championship was won in Oxford, Mississippi that weekend, period. Yeah. A week from tomorrow, Ole Miss baseball will have its first game against Louisville, top-ranked Louisville. Ole Miss will be without Tyler Myers. He underwent Tommy John surgery. As first reported by Chase Parham of RebelGrove.com, Tyler Myers is a big loss. It's a huge loss. I mean, look, he was the guy last year. He kind of fell off towards the end, but he was the guy when Ole Miss you know, was struggling out of the bullpen outside of Myers or uh, outside of Austin Miller and Caracci. He was the guy they leaned on. Man, he got big outs for Ole Miss last year and was a guy that could go multiple innings. So, um, just a tough loss. Somebody's going to have to replace that. You look at some of these freshmen and, um, you know, a guy like Greer Holston, it, it's going to put more on his plate. It's a, it's a big loss for Ole Miss. There's no reason to sugarcoat it. So we're not, it is, uh, it's substantial when you look at this team for this year. We're only a week away. So you're still feeling pretty good about Ole Miss baseball, considering they've lost Tyler Myers and that Doug Nikkei's got arrested for a DUI. It's not great news coming out of camp, right? Like, uh, you usually don't hear much, uh, coming out of, preseason uh, baseball stuff, but no, I mean, I, look, I think Gunnar Hoagland's going to have a phenomenal year. I think uh, Doug McCasey is going to be what he was last year, and I really like Derek Diamond. So uh, we'll see. I think those three guys are going to pitch it like they should, and uh, if they do, I think Ole Miss is playing baseball in Swayze uh, in June again. So uh, I, my expectation for that is not going to change till till the season starts, at least for sure. 
Well, wrapping up this conversation about Ole Miss football recruiting, I still think they're going to get Zach Evans. So go ahead and just get your pitchforks ready. If he ends up at Texas A&M or Georgia or LSU or wherever, Tennessee, just come at me. Ben said he was coming, and it's all Ben's fault. You could tell Lane Kiffin was pretty pissed in his press conference. He was kind of gritting his teeth and talking through it, but he seemed pretty pissed off. Yeah, and he's going to have to do some work. Uh, Look, for every guy you didn't sign in this class, it's got to be made up for somewhere if you're wanting to compete at the highest level. So next year's class is going to have to be really good for them. Well, he directly talked to the camera about Zach Evans pretty much. I want to sign a really good running back. Yeah, he's talking to Zach Evans. Finish out this class for me. What's going to be most interesting to watch for next year is if they do attack the grad transfer market in the spring like I think that they could. But they've got, I don't know, six to eight open scholarships. They're not going to sign six to eight grad transfers. They're going to sign two tops, maybe three, but that's pushing it. You're just not going to get that many. You're going to be involved in that many, but you're not going to get that many. So now you're going to have scholarships open for next year. And it makes the 2021 class that much more important. But this is the new era for college coaches. There's no time given to them by any of their fan base. They expect immediate results, immediately be good. Transition classes are tough. Covering the recruiting aspect of the transition class this year was especially tough because of the lack of, I guess, flow of information out of those offices to the recruiting reporters. I can't speak for David and Yancey and Zach and Neil. I can only say I certainly sympathize with their plight. I understand how tough that job is. And it was made that much tougher this year with the coaching change and how the staff finished out. He wasn't done filling out his staff to, what, a week and a half before National Signing Day, the second one? And with the early signing period, it's a completely different ball game. And Lane Kiffin gets here and has two weeks to get his first wave when 80% of prospects – sign the early signing period february you're just getting scraps if you weren't disappointed in december and were looking to february to say oh just wait till february you were setting yourself up for disappointment demon Clowney and henry Parrish, if they wait to announce on signing day do you feel better today yeah do you look at yesterday as a success then yeah maybe change and alter and shift your expectations then and your outlook of yeah. Ole Miss football recruiting. And if you want to judge 2021 recruiting harshly, so be it. But they're already well ahead of that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's recruiting. Uh, transition classes. It, look, I do understand the frustration. I was frustrated. I'm not going to sit here and lie, too. So I do think it goes beyond, oh, it was just a transition class. Don't worry about it. No, there's there's more to it than that. But at the end of the day, it is technically a transition class. Next year is the year that you look at it. If, if on February 6th next year, uh, it doesn't go well, February 4th, whatever, um, I think there's some fair criticism to be debbied then. Just wait to see what he does on the field. I yeah, get I'm tired of putting so much on National Signing Day. Both of them. Yep, with you there. It's kind of played out at this point. Ole Miss has loved to claim off-season championships. <laughs> oh, we got a top 15 class, and I'm guilty of that. I loved recruiting services in college. I was plugged to my computer. When I cared, when I was a fan with y'all and loved this stuff, I was plugged to my computer when Brent Schaefer and Kadera Easton announced on the same day that they were going to be Ole Miss Rebels. And I was convinced, convinced. Brent Schaefer, a five-star quarterback. Ed Ordron is about to take Ole Miss places Ole Miss has never been before. You can't predict this stuff. Only a few programs in college football are getting classes that you know they're going to be good. The number one, two, three, four classes. You know that Alabama's loading up with the best players in the country. 
But once you get outside of the top six and go all the way to the end of the top 25, they're all about the same. It's subjective. It goes back to how certain scouts for different services evaluate prospects. Yeah, you're going to have a mix of maybe a one five-star and a handful of four-stars and some three-stars. They're all relatively the same. Then it comes back to coaching. So unless Ole Miss gets into the business of recruiting like Alabama and LSU, Clemson, Georgia, and it never will, I don't really buy into all this off-season nonsense about, oh, wow, whoa, whoa, here we go. This kid's going to be the difference. I don't know. And you don't either. Wait to see what he does on the field. Do you believe in Lane Kiffin as a coach and being a two, three win improvement over Matt Luke? If you believe that, why are you so disappointed today? Yeah, it sucks. And this is what you love to follow. And I get it. I was one of you. But I didn't lose any sleep. On Wednesday, <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on until David Johnson called me and said, man, this is a bad day. I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> it was great. It was great. I uh, I woke up early now. I wake up early now. And I uh, my phone was uh was blowing up because some people had put in crystal balls for uh Wadman to Tennessee and uh buddy they were not happy. So I I, I, I knew early that it was uh things would not going well from that realm. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Cause I mean I, I mean I follow recruiting to to an extent, not like most fans. I I think I texted a few people last night to see who I needed to follow today, but you're already on wins and losses, right? And I know you have to recruit to win what or win big. I understand that 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 stars do matter. That is absolutely true. And they but do a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. I'm not gonna, you know, put a coach in a casket during a transition class uh, when he hasn't coached a football game yet. Because if we look up in, in eight or nine, well, I guess uh, yeah, nine months or so, and Lane Kiffin's eight and four, or seven and five, or hell, even even six and six. I mean, we're Ole Miss fans are gonna be excited about it. Yeah, you came off of four wins. Yeah, Lane Kiffin had two months, less than two months. And really, the classes were done in December. If you were disappointed in February, where were you in December? You need (laughs) to temper your expectations. I agree with you. Stars absolutely matter. My point is that after the top six, the four and five stars in those classes all the way to the end of the top 25, those four and five star prospects, we all know they're good. What about the scouting and evaluation of the rest of the guys that fell out your class, assuming that they have eight four and five star prospects? You're signing 25. Yeah. So lay out to me your evaluations of three stars. Because those are the guys that really are going to win you games if you're an Ole Miss, if you're a Mississippi State. A Tennessee. A Tennessee is not going to recruit like Alabama. They're going to try. They're going to try like hell. (laughs) And Jeremy Pruitt's doing the damn thing. He's really doing it. He's doing a great job of recruiting. He's built a mini Alabama in that respect. But he's never going to be a consistent top five recruiter as Tennessee's head coach. The NCAA is going to protect the Blue Bloods. They always will. But Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State, you're going to try to get into that business. And when you do, don't turn on each other. Remember that the true enemy is the one that wants to come knock down your door. And the only way they can come knock down your door is if you commit stupid secondary violations. That's (laughs) when they can come in and then start sneaking around. And they can stay for however long they want to. They can stay. And they can look around, and they can snoop around. They can drag it out for six years until they build whatever case they want. Don't commit those stupid secondary violations and go boss to the wall, building your recruiting infrastructure and getting prospects. I'm with you there. Also, don't maybe quote Exodus to an NCAA investigator. Add that add to it. Well, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it's just football. This is just football. Steve, get over it. It's far more interesting when Ole Miss and Mississippi State are both good. Would you rather a college football world where Alabama and Clemson are the same two programs that are good every single year, 
or allow for the possibility that on any given year, the same year that Ole Miss rises to the top three in the country, that Mississippi State will be there too. I'm taking the second one all day. I mean, yeah, it, 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 the second one because, you know, Ole Miss is in the conversation. But I think for one of these schools to take off, I think the other one has to be it's some level of, of mediocrity. I don't think that you can have consistently good football, like one consistently good football team uh, without the other one being somewhat down. See, state. I completely I disagree. We've proven it already okay. five years ago, six years ago. Now. We had it. We had it for two years. We had it for two years. Consistency. That's it could have stayed score. that way. Yeah, but one program decided, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're good, but they're good too. Screw them. No, no. It's okay for all programs to be competitive and go for it. And it's not always going to work. One year, the evaluations of this program aren't going to hit, and they're not going to be as good. But then the other program, they will be good. And I'm talking about Tennessee with this too. Kentucky, whoever. Y'all just need to stay away from each other. Stop pointing the fingers at each other. Do you really want a world where Alabama and Clemson, every single year, Ohio State, those are the programs that get everything? It's ridiculous. Michigan, you cannot beat Ohio State. (laughs) Stop pretending like you don't cheat. It's not cheating. Don't pretend like you're not paying into the fairness market. You are. You're just not doing it well. (laughs) So if you want to beat Ohio State, get better at recruiting infrastructure. Everybody. And stop trying to turn it around on everybody else. I saw, I think it was a Florida State writer about Malachi Weidman. I'm putting in my prediction for Ole Miss. Um, I don't really know, quite frankly. It's kind of weird, but it's always weird when Ole Miss gets involved. So he's implying that <laughs> Ole Miss is doing shit that no one else is doing. Give me a break. Give me a break. You think Florida State isn't paying into the fairness market? Mike Norvell isn't paying into the fairness market. I know exactly what some of the stuff Mike Norvell did at Memphis. And people want to say, well, Ben, blow the top off. No. I want all of these programs just to admit that we all do it and do it. Pay the players. And if you're not going to regulate it, then everybody just needs to go by the honor system. Keep your mouth shut and let the players get what they deserve. I'm with you there. Um, I am way too sick to be getting this worked up, man. I got a blitzing (laughs) headache. My head feels like it weighs 50 pounds. Sinus is killing me. And I'm sitting here Ugh. having to yell into a microphone at Colin Brister and every Ole Miss fan listening, and it's never going to go anywhere. But my God, people, college football programs, just let it be. Yeah, I would the, much uh, rather they're, have they're... an even playing field. Everybody is on the same playing field. Everybody's accepting, though it's not by the NCAA rule book, it's not breaking the law. Everybody just accept the same unofficial laws of recruiting, abide by them, and shut up. Yeah, I'm with you there. Have a have an honor system and then stick to it. And uh, you know, go go 85 in the 70. Don't go 120 in the 70. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, almost got like 20 to life for going what 10, 15 miles over the speed limit. Maybe having a little weed in the car. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing you're most paying attention to in almost sports this weekend is what. Oh God, Ben! I mean, recruiting's over now. The basketball team, I'm sorry, is irrelevant. So, like, I don't know. Do they have an inner squad? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to the basketball team. I don't even know who they play this weekend. Oh, Colin, that's bad. You honestly don't know who they play on Saturday. I don't know. I swear to God. 
Ole Miss is in the midst of a three-game homestand. They play Florida at 1 p.m. Oh, how about that? Mike White returns. Maybe he'll be nice to them. Oh, man. I'll go with basketball. I don't know what I'd go with. Look, I watched, uh, you know, because only the games when Brian was out and C was out. I think Florida only beat them by 12, like 12 to 14. And there was obviously Mike White was like, oh, my God, I am not about to win this game by 40 points because he sure should have. Or not should have, but could have. Yeah, he could have. That game was yeah, not competitive. It was like the LSU game at LSU. They only lost by 10, but it was yeah. way worse than that. Covered the Well, yeah, that matters for a lot of people. I had a big <laughs> Ole Miss basketball recruiting update on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. Some names to keep in mind as Ole Miss attacks the spring recruiting period. Marcus Nyblack, he's a three-star guard. Tyron McMillan, a junior college power forward out of Kilgore, Texas, 6'8", 225. Um, and Tyron Lawrence, He's a post-grad from Sunrise Christian Academy. There's that Christian Academy again. I feel like every year was, Ole Miss is in on some kid from Sunrise. Yeah, Saiz was from there, if I'm not mistaken. I'm with him. Yeah, so was Blake, and so was Austin. Yeah. But, yeah, Sunrise has been good to Ole Miss. He's down to Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, I was told. So those are the three big names. Remember, they have no open scholarships. So if they had one, two, all three of these guys, they're going to have to open up spots. Yeah. You could see a really overturned roster this time next year, but that's what happens when you have seasons such as these. Sure. And you know, we, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, you look, I'm not going to name kids, but if it's, if they have to replace two guys, it's not overly complicated who those two guys would be. You start getting into three and that's where it gets kind of weird, right? Yeah. The only people I feel for sure confident about being back next year, Jarkel Joyner, Sean Robinson, Luis Rodriguez, Henson Buffin, Crowley, Sammy Hunter. Not Bryce Williams. I didn't say him, did I? No, you didn't. That's where it's going to get weird. It's going to get weird. And I'm not saying that all those guys are on the roster bubble, just so much as I could see a number of different scenarios playing out for any number of guys. Hadeem, Devontae, Bryce, dude. Yeah. The most obvious guys on the roster bubble are Carlos Curry and Franco. But almost yes. loves Franco. I think they would avoid getting rid of him if they could. I don't think Devontae Shuler is getting processed. That would look like he wants to go to Europe. No, or no, 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 no. He's not getting processed. He might finally say, you know what? I'm going to go play overseas. I'm gone. Right. But Ole Miss is in on his brother, a grad transfer from Charleston Southern that would have to sit out That's a year. right. Yeah. Yeah. Don Trail. That gives him reason to stay around, at least, I would think. I've heard he wants to play with Jarkel, too. Here's one for you. I was told by a source, Jarkel Joyner is the best player on the roster right now. I can buy that. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm no basketball expert, but here's what I do know. I watched Austin Crowley try to guard him in high school, and he could not. Jarkel Joyner is a scorer, and I and look, I love Andy Kennedy, and, and I get that nobody else offered him. I think he messed that one up. That kid should have been an Ole Miss Rebel. I don't know how you take that. The best player on the roster right now. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that encouraging because Jarkel could be a good player? Or is Ole Miss a little talent deficient? I don't know. I don't know how I take that right now. Yeah. I do know this. Brian, Ole Miss is looking at Matthew Morrell as SEC ready, and he's all 6'4". He's already well over 200 pounds. Um, they're not going to have to add 20 pounds to him like they did with Austin Crowley. Yeah. He's going to be able to come yeah. in and play immediately, and Ole Miss has dreams already of a backcourt of Jarkel and Matthew Morrell together. Well, if that's the case, where's Devontae in this equation? Yeah, no, that's certainly fair. You talk about uh, Jarkel. I mean, I know what you're saying, but is that a good or a bad thing? But Brian Tyree is also on the roster, and as bad as Ole Miss has been this year, Brian's been pretty damn consistent. Yes, um, he has. So I, can't play defense I to save think, his life, but I agree. You put it up 36, that'll be all right. 
Yeah. Bree's been awesome, and he's really tried on the defensive end. I hate this for him. I hate it. Yeah. It sucks. He's a good dude. He deserved better. He didn't deserve to go out this way. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, it doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmaSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. We'll be back next Tuesday. Maybe by then I won't sound like I'm talking into a balloon. <laughs> Sounds good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.